Hi, Foxies. The episode you're trying to listen to is right around the corner, but first, we need your help. You may have noticed that there are no ads during the Fox and the Foxhound. We prefer this, being ad haters ourselves, but we need your help to keep it that way. If you love this show, please consider signing up as a patron at patreon.com slash the Fox and the Foxhound. We have Patreon tiers starting at just $1 a month. And not only will you get fun extra content and an unedited cut of every episode two days early, you'll be directly responsible for keeping the show going in all of its ad-free glory. Thanks to all of our existing patrons, past patrons, and hopefully future patrons. Enjoy the episode. Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Kevin, and we are the Wilsons. I'm reading through the Harry Potter series for the first time. And I'm a devoted Potterhead. We've been married almost a year now and started the show when we were still engaged. Each week, we read a chapter, or sometimes two or three, and discuss our journey through the series. We also pull marriage lessons from each week's text, and Kev makes a prediction about what we can expect from the series in the future. This is a podcast about Harry Potter, but it's also a podcast about love, relationships, community, and the world. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We're glad you decided to join us. Settle in, make some friends through our many social media platforms, and enjoy the ride. If you're already a regular listener, welcome back. We can't do this without you. Fair warning for first-time readers of the series. As long as you don't read ahead of Kev, you won't encounter spoilers. And a fair warning to all of our listeners, we occasionally get really excited about the series and use adult language to express ourselves. We're glad you're here. At the end of the show, you can find out how to interact with us, your gracious hosts, connect with other listeners, and ways you can support the show through our Patreon page. Welcome to the Fox and the Foxhound. Well, the Mario Kart battle rages on. I don't know that I would call it a battle so much as you're completely stomping me. And I'm also learning that I am a really sore loser. Yes, I'm learning this about you, too. I I don't think that I had the insight that I was a super sore loser. So you are a considerable number of races behind me. Yes. And I keep trying to tell you that we still have over 300 races (laughs) to do, right? Is that where we're at? How many races have we done? I mean, I, oh God, I don't even know. I think we've probably done like 50. Yeah, so we still have, you know, 230-something races But you're to go. like 30 games ahead of me. I still at think least. that there's room. I still think that there's room for you to come ahead. I have changed my player. I've gone to Toadette from yes. Pink Gold Peach. Right, and I play Toad 100% of the time on Mario Kart. Yes, he's very strict about this. And then I sort of was trying to teach you Toad skidding technique. Yeah, because it is very specific to Toad. It is. Yeah. And you couldn't get it because you were on a motorcycle. I was on a motorcycle. So you switched to the Toadette cart, and now you get it a I little do. better. I do. I don't think you have it quite completely honed in. Well, clearly not, because you're still beating my ass. Right. Like, the distance between us at the finish line is not as great. That is closing. I yes. will say that. And I do still win one here and there. But I would also like to say, I may be a sore loser, But you are a mean winner. You are a meanie in Mario Kart. You don't like smack talk or anything, but you, I will be so far behind you. There's no way I'm going to win. And you still. 
still launch weapons at me in a way that's like super sneaky. And yeah, 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 I know that's how you play the game. But then I get mad. See, like this is me being a sore loser. I get mad and then you just laugh at me. And then I just get madder. Because I do also do laughing. things that are very cruel. You do. Like, you do. I'll, you could be so far behind. There's no way you can catch up. But I'll still leave a bomb in a place that will like put you a half a lap behind. Right. And like, it's like, it's not enough for me to win. I have to win by a lot. Right. Which is just ridiculous. And then you laugh at me on top of I it. I laugh at your reaction That's of how serious saying. you are about I, losing. I don't, I'm not going to split hairs in that way. I think you're just laughing at me. You're just laughing at me. So the gap between us at the end of the races is closing. But the distance between us as a married couple is widening because of Absolutely. this Absolutely. Hashtag Mario Kart divorce. Right. MKD. <laughs> My God. Couple of things before we jump into our two chapters today. I screwed up when I was talking about casting roles last week. I had mentioned that their Twitter handle was at cast roles. Their website is castroles.com, but their Twitter is at casting roles. So if you've had trouble finding them, I'm sorry. That was totally my fault. And they are two episodes deep. Their third episode will be live actually the same day that this episode goes live. They just go live in the evening at seven o'clock Eastern time in the U.S., and then the following Friday, that episode is then live on YouTube. So it's it's really fun. If you have any interest in D&D whatsoever, I would say this is a very well-run campaign. That's coming from a D&D noob. You know, I'm not someone who is all that interested in D&D, and I still think this is really entertaining. So to me, that's like a ringing endorsement. They could have also called it Throwing Bread. W why? Casting Rolls. No, God. Just to clarify, that's R O L E S, not R O L L S. Do you remember the big fat yeast roll at Quincy's? I don't know what the hell Quincy's is. <clears throat> do you remember the age of the steakhouse? I do. There yeah. used to be a lot of steakhouses. Yes. There was Quincy. In town, we had Quincy's, uh -huh. Western Sizzlin. Oh, yeah. Western yeah. Steer. Oh, God. And Ryan's. And we had another Random. one. We had another one down the street here, which is now like a doggy daycare or something, which is so disturbing to think about. Ew. Oh God. And they typically you could get, you know, some kind of this little flat, weird steakhouse steak and like a baked potato or something like that. But generally they also had a hot bar mm -hmm. and a salad bar too. Oh yeah. In case you just wanted to like gorge yourself out. So we didn't have any of those but where i grew up we had texas roadhouse yeah that was kind of a nicer later right version. right and i do know that their roles oh so good oh my granddad used to take me almost every saturday to the steakhouse and he said tell the lady what you want and i would say the same thing every time and my little young southern accent i'd say sirloin tips with mushroom gravy on the side and french fries oh my god that's adorable. You still do love a mushroom gravy. Oh, and French fries. And French fries. God, I used to pour that gravy on those fries. Mm, 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 mm. I love when you make country dinner. Yeah. Country dinners. I'm like making potato good. leek soup as we speak. It smells so good. Oh, delicious. The other thing I wanted to mention, not just a reminder to join us on Discord, but something that I probably should have said many, many episodes ago and I didn't. 
When you go to join our Discord server, and the way that you do that is you can find it on any of our social media channels or also just on our website, there's a button that says join our Discord server. You'll get an invitation. You click the invitation. You will land on a page called The Rules. And it's just a few things like basically don't post spoilers outside of the, you know, patrons channel restricted section that we have where we can talk spoilers. Um, you know, be respectful to each other, that kind of thing. In order to gain access to the Discord and all of the channels, you actually have to click the little green check mark. And it says, like, as long as you land on the rules page and know that you have to click something, you'll be able to figure that out. But I just have noticed a lot of people popping in. And then on my end, I'm not seeing them listed as verified, which means mm. they never check the the mark. And Mama so, said he's bona fide. He's bona fide. So, so be bona fide. So be bona fide, be verified. And if any of you have tried to join and found that confusing and then sort of gave up on it, I'm really sorry. But please give it another try with that knowledge and know that once you click that, you'll have a whole bunch of channels become visible to you like magic. <laughs> and there's been a lot of action in there lately. Yeah. I can't keep up because I work during the day. So yeah. there's not a lot of times that I can look at it. Yeah. And when I pop in, it's like 320 messages. It's 8 a.m. I'm like, oh, my God. It's very what active. What are they like? It's very active. But it's so fun. And, I mean, we've got whole, like, we've had so many new channels come up just through conversation. Like, this week we added uh, potions class. So that's where we're talking about mixed drinks that we're making. And it's it's... So much fun. So And people are making new connections and yes. making new friendships, and that's really fun. It's really, really cool. The warden had me laughing so hard, like about an hour ago. I I mean, I was crying. I was like laying on this couch crying because her, she like? her comedic timing is is impeccable. So yes. Join us on Discord for all the fun. I'm having a pretty good day today. Are you? Yes. I got to see some goats. You did. I'm so jealous. And I got to feed tiny goats, little baby goats. Not little, little wee babies, but maybe about, I'm trying to think of something that's the size of like a small goat. Like a baby unicorn? No, not like a baby unicorn. Like a little goat. They're probably about a foot tall. Oh my God. Maybe. I love it. And maybe like a foot long. Oh, my God. Like, if they were laying down, you could almost put them in a bread box, but Stop not quite. It. Stop. And they were so cute. God, I'm so jealous. And that was at this weird nursery place. Not for babies, for plants. <laughs> plants. But they also have goats. And they had emus, so I got to see emus. Who are, like, prettier than I thought, just, like, based on your pictures. Yes. I thought they were, like, super awkward and ugly, but they're actually, like, quite striking. I also made a move towards a dream of mine today. Okay. Which is I've always wanted to sell boiled peanuts. That's true. I've wanted to start a boiled peanut business. He's not joking. Right. This and I'm going to have... Dream. A lot of different types. Uh -huh. I'm going to do a Hawaiian style, a Chinese version, a traditional one, of Yum. course, might do a salt and vinegar. Oh. But I need a lot of green peanuts, which are in season, you know, May through like November mm -hmm. is when green peanuts are in season. Mm -hmm. And I finally found a bushel today. And a bushel. I, that's not a, a unit of measurement that like makes sense to me. <laughs> Could you quantify that a little bit differently? Two pillow cases filled. <laughs> like 30 pounds of green peanuts. Okay, but where are these going to live? They're living in my truck <laughs> for right now. 
But this will allow me to start running my test. Yeah. And honing my recipes in mm. and getting everything dialed in so I can finally start my boiled peanut company, which I've been talking about for many, many years. Well, I can't wait to be the official taste tester because I do love me some boiled peanuts. I'm going to need your help with my branding, too. Oh, absolutely. We'll we'll get you squared away. That is, We'll make you a whole brand kit. It'll be great. Well, should we talk about Harry Potter, maybe? <laughs> sure. What do you know about it? That's about the wizard a lot. kid. A lot. Trust me. We're covering two chapters today. Mm-hmm. Double chapters. Double chapters. We've moved on from the one chapter pattern for now. I mean, yeah. who knows when we'll go back to that. You've been very, very, like, mindful and, like, deliberate with this yes. book. So we're covering chapter 11, The Sorting Hat's New Song, and chapter 12, Professor Umbridge. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Ugh. And I'm reading first. Harry did not want to tell the others that he and Luna were having the same hallucination, if that was what it was, so he said nothing more about the horses as he sat down inside the carriage and slammed the door behind him. Nevertheless, he could not help watching the silhouettes of the horses moving beyond the window. Didn't you listen to Dolores Umbridge's speech at the start of term feast, Potter? Yeah, said Harry. Yeah, she said progress will be prohibited or, well, it meant that that the Ministry of Magic is trying to interfere at Hogwarts. Professor McGonagall eyed him for a moment, then sniffed, walked around her desk, and held open the door for him. Well, I'm glad you listened to Hermione Granger, at any rate, she said, pointing him out of her office. Mm. Mm. These are long chapters, both of these. There's a lot. And I had asked you when you read them, I was like, you know, what'd you think about them? And you had said they were good. There is a lot of kind of fillery stuff. As These are setup chapters. Yes, definitely. Definitely. So there's a lot of like foundational stuff being set. And also, I think anytime you've got like the start of classes, you get, I mean, there's a whole paragraph in one of these chapters that's just like, history of magic is the most boring class ever made. But we start still in the carriage and we have this conversation about Hagrid. I feel very conflicted about something and I need to know your thoughts because you are my guidepost in a lot of ways. So. They're talk- Hagrid comes up in the carriage and Luna says, well, I'm kind of glad he's not here because he's not a very good teacher in her very blunt way. There's no like emotion. Attached yeah. to she just states a fact, you know, that's her opinion. And I feel conflicted because Luna's not wrong. Hagrid's not that great of a teacher. Hagrid is a great teacher. He's not a great instructor. Okay. He's not a great educator. Okay. But he's a great teacher. Okay. Because we have this, like, indignation on his behalf from Harry and Ron and Ginny. They're all like, yes, he is. He's fine. Well, And Luna's like, well, in Ravenclaw, we think he's kind of a joke. And Ron's basically like, well, you guys are all fucking assholes. And then she just stares at them all awkwardly. Like a mildly amusing television program or something. So weird, she's, this girl. She's so great. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel conflicted there because I'm just like, Luna's not wrong. And I almost kind of feel like the indignation is sort of like, it's so emotional. And if I, I'm kind of with Hermione because Hermione doesn't say anything right away. And then she's like, oh, yeah, no, Hagrid's great. <laughs> I also wonder if any of the other kids get to have access to the type of relationship with Hagrid. 
that Ron, Hermione, and Harry have. Definitely not. Probably not. Yeah. So they just kind of look at him as like a big galoot. Right. Which also I think some of the prejudice comes in because he's big and there's this whole like anti-giant thing going on too. That's probably Implicit giant in. bias. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. I do want to say that I think that Luna is the epitome of mindfulness. You know how like mindfulness is just sort of like being in the present moment and acknowledging oh the thoughts that come in and letting them pass. Like I just Luna's human mindfulness to me. Yeah, but she also should think a little bit more about other people's feelings before she speaks. I do agree with that. I, I think that she has a very low emotional IQ. Mindfulness is not emotion <laughs> for sure. So as they're passing by Hagrid's, there are no lights. Yeah. I mean, and it's even brought up, well, maybe whatever he had to do for Dumbledore this summer, maybe he's still doing that. Somebody's like, I wonder if he got hurt. They're like, oh, we would know by now if he got hurt. I wonder if he's sick. All this weird stuff. Yeah. So they finally get to the first year feast. Yeah. And this is where the sorting hat's going to sort the little freshman kids out. So cute. And Hagrid's not at the staff table. Mm Mm-mm. Dolores Umbridge, who we remember from the courtroom at the ministry, yeah. ugh, the worst. The worst. The literal worst. <laughs> yeah. She's there at the table, mm-hmm. but also Mrs. Grumbly Plank yeah. is sitting in Haggard's seat. Yeah. In just like a few pages from then, Dumbledore says really, really quickly, Grumbly Plank is teaching uh care of magical creatures and he it's just very vague it's very open-ended he doesn't say how long that he doesn't say if it's temporary or if it's you know just sort of as part of the announcement so there's definitely something going on they are all just kind of rampantly speculating what might be happening to hagrid i really like that harry kind of shuts that down and he's like look maybe he's just not done with this thing yet yeah because the speculation running wild, like it, your imagination has no limits, but reality does. So the things that you can imagine are going to be always infinitely worse yeah. than the reality. So then we get to the main theme of this chapter, which is the sorting hat ceremony with all the new little freshmen. Kids. Yeah. I want to know everything that you think about this. And the sorting hat like sings this new completely batshit song. <laughs> Why is it batshit? He's like, so back in the day, <laughs> when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. And some days, yeah. he was like, back in the day, there were the four cats that the houses were named after. Mm-hmm. Right? Slytherin, Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, and Ravenclaw. Right. They all got along great. There was a lot of unity. Mm-hmm. But then Slytherin started on this pure blood business. And the other three sort of broke off from Slytherin, mm-hmm. and it made them even tighter with each other mm-hmm. than they had been as a foursome, which mm-hmm. is kind of true in the school, it seems like, too, to a certain I would degree. say so. Yeah, I think that's accurate. So then he says, Hogwarts worked in harmony for several happy years, but then discord crept among us, feeding on our faults and fears. Oof. And the houses turned on each other right. and became divided again. And he's like, so anyway, that's why I'm here to sort you into your houses. <laughs> so anyway. And uh, anyway, here's Wonderwall. He says, still, I wonder whether sorting may not bring the end, I fear. Oh, know the perils. Read the signs. The warning history shows for our Hogwarts is in danger from external deadly foes. And we must unite inside her or we'll crumble from within. I have told you. I have warned you. Let the sorting now begin. It's a warning. Yeah. The sorting hat is like. 
yo, Hogwarts is in danger right now. Right. From external foes. Right. Right. <laughs> You're so disturbed by this. Can we talk about Ron's comment? The Sorting Hat stopped singing. And I laughed so hard. Ron says, branched out a bit this year, hasn't it? <laughs> so British, that sense of humor. And I love that, where he just is sort of like, oh, that was interesting. And yeah. the friends are talking. They're like, damn, that was a warning from the sorting hat. Right. And they're talking to nearly headless Nick, who generally is like chilling with them on the first feast. So he sweet. goes and sees his little kid friends. And he's like, oh, the hats have has given several warnings before. So, Hermione, what were you saying about the sorting? Hermione asked the ghost about the hat giving warnings. Oh, yes, said Nick, who seemed glad of a reason to turn away from Ron, who was now eating roast potatoes with almost indecent enthusiasm. <laughs> yes, I've heard the hat give several warnings before, always at times when it detects periods of great danger for the school. And, of course, its advice is the same. Stand together. Be strong from within. Right. He says peaceful cooperation is the key. Yeah. We ghosts, though we belong to separate houses, maintain links of friendship. In spite of the competitiveness between Gryffindor and Slytherin, I would never dream of seeking an argument with the Bloody Baron. It's just so weird. It's like, oh, this is nothing new. Right. In times of distress, the Sorting Hat gives out a warning, and he always says that the solution is the same thing. Right. To band together and to be unified. There's something especially powerful about repetition when used in an ominous way in storytelling. Like Lost and the Numbers. Right. So like to me, it's chilling when Nick says, yeah, the message is always the same. I don't know why that chills me, but it does. Because this has happened before. Dark times have hit Hogwarts before. It's been open for hundreds of years. Right. Right. And Nick has been dead for hundreds of years. Yeah. He's so seen it all go he's down. He's seen a lot. Now, why do you think it is that and I mean, Ron kind of has a theory that Nick is only saying he's friends with the Bloody Baron because he's scared of him. But why do you think it is that the ghosts are able to not really be as, I don't know, tied to rivalry? Why are they not really prone to this? I mean, because they don't do anything anyways. <laughs> like, they're not really a part of anything. They're just kind of freeloaders who just float around the school for some reason. They are not freeloaders. What are you talking about? They're vagrants. They don't consume anything. You can't be a freeloader if you literally can't eat the food. My God. So Dumbledore says, Grumbly Plank's going to be the care of magical creatures teacher. Umbridge is going to be the new defense of the dark arts teacher. And this girl <sighs> interrupts Dumbledore. She's like, um, <laughs> yeah, okay, thanks. Anyway, oh my God. The nerve of this lady. You said this girl. In my notes, I wrote this bitch. Right. <laughs> this bitch. The whole room essentially reacts to this interruption. McGonagall's facial expression is hilarious. She's like, the hell does she just This say? bitch. Oh, my God. Yeah. She completely interrupts this headmaster to give this speech that presumably we are going to have to talk about. But before we get there, were you surprised that Umbridge is the Defense Against the Dark Arts professor? It seems like I know you're familiar with Umbridge, but like, yeah. were you surprised by this being her role? Yeah. I yeah. It's, it's pretty weird. 
But later we kind of see why it is the way that it is. Oh, so let's yes. talk about her speech. Let's talk the key about points of like it. the things that she says. Let's talk about it. So first of all, she has this breathy, girlish voice, which you know. Can you give me your best British Dolores Umbridge? Mm. Okay. <laughs> oh yes. Good evening, children. I'm making some weird facial expressions <laughs> as well that I have to make to do that voice. Grown women talking like children is probably your biggest pet peeve on the planet. Jesus H Christ. I hate it so much. You're a grown ass woman. Talk like an adult. I hate it. Do not infantilize yourself. Society does enough of that. Do not participate in it yourself. It's like the most anti-feminist thing I could even conceive of is to talk like a little girl. I fucking hate it. Anyway, sorry. Side note. She launches into this... This speech that I feel like if you don't think too hard about it, it's totally innocuous, right? By design. By design. It seems like just kind of nice words that you say when you're taking on a new post. She's like, the ministry has always been dedicated to the education of children. Blah, 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 blah. Yes. And she's got to know, I mean, at least this is my opinion, she's got to know that a lot of them are going to tune it out, right? You know, she doesn't seem to even react to the fact that kids are reading magazines and talking to each other. And I think she want it's because she wants people to not really be listening yeah. to what she's saying. She still wants to say what she's going to say. And a lot of this stuff about progress for progress's sake and a balance then between old and new, between permanence and change, between tradition and innovation, mm-hmm. which is a nice way of saying shit's about to change around here. Exactly. Exactly. But she includes just enough about how old traditions do need to be left behind so that, again, if you don't think too hard about it, you're like, OK, well, then she's pretty progressive. She wants things to, you know, to move forward. She's not old fashioned, but Hermione knows what's really up. Yeah. She's listening to this so intently like she's drinking in every word thank god she is because harry and ron don't fucking get it it goes right over their heads do you think mcgonagall's remark at the very end of the second chapter that i read Mm -hmm. at the start of the show do you think mcgonagall why would she say at least you listen to your friend hermione if she's not sitting anywhere near her do you think it's because she noticed hermione watching so intently it, that's exactly what I think. And Harry not paying attention. Absolutely. Like, oh, well, I guess Hermione is going to fill him in. Because I really think that McGonagall, if not throughout the entire speech, the entire time Umbridge is talking, at some point was looking directly at that trio. Because this is really important that they get this, you know? Which really is kind of disappointing important. to me. Like, dude, 
Ron, Harry, the Dark Lord is back. Right. You know that he's back. You've been living in the House of Black where the freaking Order of the Phoenix lives. Mm-hmm. You had to have guards to go to school. Right. Now you right. get here and you're just like talking to your buddies and not paying attention to what's going on? Yeah. At the very least, Harry should be listening. I mean, like, yes, Ron should be listening too, but Ron is Ron. Ron is just going to Ron around all the time. But Harry, the chosen one, the boy who lived, should be listening. (laughs) Yeah, you would think. So speaking of Hermione kind of getting the measure of this speech, what does she say? She says, don't you see what's happening? The ministry is interfering at Hogwarts. Interfering. Mm, I've got more to say about that later. Do you? That specific wording? Interfering at Hogwarts. Oh, God. What is, there's like a, oh, I think it's about a boy. (laughs) I love the movie about a boy. I know you do. God, that's such a great movie. Um, I think it's Hugh Grant's character in About a Boy says something like, you're making it sound like I was interfering with your son. (laughs) (laughs) And it's um, that topic is not funny. He's not doing that in the movie or else it wouldn't be funny. But just that turn of phrase. (laughs) Interfering with your son. It always makes me laugh. So back in the common room. Meanwhile, back in the common room. (laughs) Meanwhile, back in the common room. Or rather, I mean, on on the way to the common room, Harry, I feel like, is having this moment where he's coming to realize that he, I think he kind of assumed he was going to be safe from all the whispering and the staring and the daily profit bullshit at school. Like, I think he still thought of it as a safe zone. And he's really very quickly, I mean, like, by the time the feast is over and he's on his way to the Gryffindor common room, that's really coming crashing down. And it just continues to crash down in the Gryffindor common room. Dear sweet Neville knows the password this time. And Harry doesn't because the password is Mimbulus Mimbletonia. Which is his little plant. His little cactus that he loves so much. Oh, God, sweet Neville. Who did that? Who made the password that just for Neville's sake? I think that's a great question. Is it because Neville used to always forget the password? I mean. And so they gave him something that he would definitely remember. It's a super rare plant. Like, what are the chances that that was a randomly chosen password? I think that's just another cute thing that Dumbledore did. I think it is, too. Because if you imagine the logical person who would set the passwords would be Dumbledore. Yeah, for security's sake. Right. Or maybe the head of house. But I don't see McGonagall. Doing that. And to me, it's it screams Dumbledore. So we get into the common room mm-hmm. and the kids are about to go to bed and we have this freaking falling out between Harry and Seamus Finnegan. And it, it involves yo mama. And There's a lot of yo mama stuff going on right now. A lot. A lot. Oh, Seamus Finnegan. Okay. Have you ever heard the song by the rap group The Far Side called Yo Mama? Uh, I'm sure I've heard you sing it. How does it go? Your mama got a glass eye with a fish in it. What? <laughs> Jesus. No. Your mama got a wooden leg with real feet. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's hilarious. I love it. Your mama rootin' tootin' stole my loot. I saw her drink. I saw her riding on a horse drinking whiskey out of boot. She got the wings oh. and the teeth of an African bat. Her middle name is Mudbone, and on top of all that, oh, 
Your mama got a glass eye with a fish in it. Okay. You you know, I, I don't know where you keep all of this in your brain. You know the words to like every country song ever recorded, every 90s hip hop yes. song ever recorded. I, I don't know where it goes. You're, I mean, you are a Ravenclaw, so it makes sense. So Seamus says, yeah, me mom didn't want me to go back to school. <laughs> me ma'am. <laughs> me ma'am didn't want me to go back to school. Right, right, because his man has been reading the Daily Prophet. And Harry's like, your mom doesn't believe that shit, does she? And he's like, yeah, 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 kind of. Yeah. 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 Sort of. She's sort of freaked out by you because you came back from another world with a dead kid claiming that Voldemort had returned. Which, to be fair. I know, right? Right. Like, it's easy for us as the audience that gets the omniscient view and got to be present in the graveyard. Yeah. But what they saw was the two guys touched the cup. They were gone for a little while. And then they come back and Cedric's dead. That's literally the only thing they know. That's it. And Harry's reflecting on this as he's making his way back to the Gryffindor common room because he's sort of like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess if I think about it objectively, I didn't tell anybody besides, you know, Ron and Hermione and Dumbledore what happened. Yeah. Because even if I had been up to it, there was no time. Everyone just went home for the holidays. So, you know, I I feel like this is a really multifaceted argument. Yeah. And we get some important information. Mm -hmm. A rumor, basically, that Dumbledore had been sacked from the, how do you say it? The Wizengamot? Yeah, that's how I always say it. Yeah. Which is, you know, who tried Harry. Mm -hmm. And that he'd also been sacked from the International Confederacy of Wizards. Right. On the grounds of him, like, losing his mind. Yeah, claiming that the Dark Lord's back and all this stuff. Right. It doesn't look good from the perspective of someone who does not, like you said, have all the information. It doesn't look good, you know? No. It it just doesn't. But this is such a ministry gaslight. Absolutely. This is like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. Right. This is like what's happening right now. It's exactly. It's like, oh my God, do you see what this dude's doing? Did you hear what he just said? And they're like, what are you talking about? Right. That's not true. He just said it. I have video of him saying it. We're watching the video right now. That's not. That's not happening. None of what you're seeing is actually happening because you're crazy. Because you've been brainwashed. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is where. Who have I been brainwashed by? Right. Uh, Some sort of genie with a freaking moral compass? Right. Right. It's uh, uh, mm, mm-mm-mm. I want a moral compass, Genie. So they really freaking get into it, these two. Yeah. Harry pulls his wand out, and I do not mean his penis. <laughs> he pulls his wand out like, let's go. Yeah. And Seamus balls his fist up. <laughs> oh, 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 that's adorable. Listen. You going after freaking super wizard boy who has his wand out, and you're going to go fisticuffs like Sherlock Holmes? It ain't happening. Listen, listen. Seamus is Irish. That's right. He's like, fight me, I'm Irish. Absolutely. He he's he's going to fight the old fashioned way. He's also remember Seamus is uh, his his dad's a muggle. <laughs> yeah, mom's a witch. Mom's a witch. Uh, so you know he's got he's got kind of both perspectives. It's like if you're like we've said before, if you replace all the wands with guns, right? Then it's like they get into an argument, and Harry pulls out a nine millimeters. Like, what's up then? Right. And I mean, a wand could 
absolutely kill someone. Or it could do worse than a gun. Yeah. You can't yeah. torture someone with a gun. Right. Right. It's, ooh, yeah. It's really, uh, it's, it's a problem. nasty. It, it's, it's a nasty argument. It's still very polite and british no one is really name calling if this was the u.s they'd be like well you're a piece of shit and your mom is ugly and you know it would get very personal yeah. very quickly be like fuck ye baby me obama snap like so ronnie boy pops in and he's like hey y'all need to settle down and he's like shame is i'll give you detention i'm a prefect now fucking son love it yes the love it's called slapping the old pee badge on the table <laughs> I've heard of slapping the old pee badge but on the table. this is ridiculous. <laughs> we were, just to clarify, we were having a conversation recently about people when they say phrases that, and they say it in a way like it's a common phrase, but it's, but it's not. not. <laughs> this is because you were watching some submarine documentary and they kept saying these bizarre things. We we're like, nobody says that. A, a submarine documentary. <laughs> you know what I mean. What is this it? was alien James Cameron's Aliens of the Deep. Okay, yeah, sure. submersibles. Sub, is it not a submarine? To, is that the wrong term? I don't know. Actually, it's a submersible. Anyway, so yeah, Ron pipes up. I think this is a great Ron moment. The prefect badge has been a little touchy for him, and this is him flexing. He's flexing and being proud of his prefect badge, and he's fucking like. Bucking up about it, and I love it. Yes, I'm here for it. Ronnie's I'm a getting some cojones. Yes, and then Neville pipes up too. Now listen, there were a lot of people very unhappy with me last week for giving Neville the loser. Yeah, I will say it again. It's one week. We got a lot of series to go. It's one week. I still stand by my decision. But I love Neville. And this is a very strong Neville chapter. Yes. Because he pipes up defending Harry. And he's like, well, my grand says that the Daily Prophet is a bunch of bull. And she stopped her subscription. I love this kid. He's oh, such a good kid. He's so good. I mean, Ron piping up is expected. Also, Ron does have a prefect badge. So he's got some firepower in that argument. Neville's got nothing. You know, Neville wants to be liked. Neville has never really been super close to any of these guys. And I'm sure you can speak to this more than I can, of course. But like being a young male, that's kind of a hard social thing to navigate. Yeah. And he says the unpopular opinion in this moment. And then he gazes lovingly back at his cactus. <laughs> oh, my God. Bless him. Bless him. So that brings us into chapter 12, Professor Umbridge. And we pick up the next morning. Things are still awkward with Seamus. Like Seamus essentially just like hurries out of the room. It's kind of sad. I sort of feel bad for Seamus in this sequence of events. Yeah, it's weird. It's very weird. It's. I mean, you know, you're a kid. Part of you got to listen to your mama. You know, he's not going to sit there and be like, yeah, you're right. My mom's a real idiot. It's like, what do you expect him to say? Hermione notices something on their way out of the Gryffindor common room on the bulletin board. It's a sign. It says gallons of galleons. 
pocket money failing to keep pace with your outgoings? Like to earn a little extra gold? Contact Fred and George Weasley, Gryffindor Common Room, for simple, part-time, virtually painless jobs. We regret that all work is undertaken at applicants' own risk. They're testing joke shop stuff on people. Here's what you got to give the twins. They got bowls. They got bowls. Oh, yeah. Well, Hermione's sort of like, Ron, we're prefects. We're going to have to shut this down. Ron's like, fuck off. Ron wants no part of confronting them about this. You, You know, this will come up later. But on their way to breakfast, they're sort of talking about this incident with Seamus. They're filling Hermione in on this incident with Seamus. And she's like, yeah, Lavender's kind of saying the same thing. And Harry, like, totally snaps on Hermione and is like, oh, I suppose the two of you were just flapping your jaws about what a psycho I am. I'm paraphrasing. And Hermione has an epic shutdown to him. This is one of my favorite Hermione moments in the series. She says... 207. Okay. Harry says, been having a nice little chat with her about whether or not I'm a lying, attention-seeking prat, have you? Harry said loudly. I wrote, whoa, Harry. No, said Hermione calmly. I told her to keep her big fat mouth shut about you, actually, and it would be quite nice if you stopped jumping down our throats, Harry, because in case you haven't noticed, Ron and I are on your side. Damn. Boom. She's need to say this for a while. Yes. She says it calmly. Harry says, sorry, and she says, that's quite all right, said Hermione with dignity. Mmm, you tell him, girl. Like, I know, I'm right. Absolutely. But she does it so calmly. It's just such a good moment. And this brings Hermione to bring up something very important, which is another thing that Harry and Ron had completely forgotten about, you know, the Dark Lord who's threatening them. Hermione said, remember what Dumbledore said. Voldemort is especially good at spreading enmity and discord. And the only way to fight that is to stay united. Yes. His gift for spreading discord and enmity is very great. We can fight it only by showing an equally strong bond of friendship and trust. Yeah. Yeah. Important reminder. And thank God Hermione is listening to these things. Jesus Christ. Angelina Johnson, by the way, new Quidditch captain. Yeah, so she comes up. She's super cool to Harry. Mm-hmm. She's like, what's up, Harry? I'm the new Quidditch captain. Um, You know, Wood left. He graduated? Because he graduated. Mm-hmm. And we're going to need a new keeper. Yeah. So we're going to have tryouts. Make sure you're there. I want everybody to be there. Yeah. Very, like, she's all business. That means we're going to get another Quidditch chapter, which is fun. Hell yes. I've kind of, like, missed Quidditch. We haven't had Quidditch in a while. There's no Quidditch in book four. Because... They have the tournament, so there's no Quidditch. They, like, cancel Quidditch. So there's, like, no uh. Quidditch. That's why you miss it. It's been a long time since we've had a Quidditch match. The owls arrive. Hermione's still getting the profit. For a very good reason. It's important to know what the enemy is saying. I agree. Absolutely. And they get their timetables. And this is where we get a little bit more with Fred and George and a little bit more of this, where are they getting the gold for all of this? Mm-hmm. So Fred and George sit down. Ron is is going, look at my Monday. Like, this is the worst Monday schedule ever. And Fred and George are like, oh, we'll give you a nosebleed nougat for cheap. He's like, why is it cheap? Oh, because you'll bleed to death. We don't have an antidote. Yeah. No, I'm good. I'll stick with my classes. But Fred and George start talking about how the fifth year 
Like, you guys are going to want these because the fifth year really sucks. It's your OWL year. People have breakdowns. It's. There's a sentence in here that I had to clarify. Is different in the U.S. edition. Very different. Very different. The sentence says, I can't remember if it's George or Fred, but let's say it's George. Fred and I managed to keep our peckers up. To keep our peckers up. You heard that correctly, U.S. audience. The U.S. version says keep our spirits up. Which is logical. I took this to Discord and our dear Pete clarified that, like, he absolutely, like, even in the UK, they use pecker as a penis, yeah. but is not, like, exclusively used as penis. And I said, well, in the US, like, a thousand percent of the time, a pecker is a penis. Yeah. And pecker head. Especially to say that it's, to, we kept our peckers up? Excuse me? <laughs> you did what? I, my eyes got super big and I wrote, excuse me, in my book. Like, what the fuck? Anywho, silly little UK US edition. I'm really enjoying that I'm reading the UK editions. I didn't think we would run into this many funny little moments. In between classes, your girl Cho finds Cho Harry. Chang, Cho yeah. Chang. She's like, hey, Harry, I see that you got the sap stuff off of you. LOL. Oh my God. Train reference. She's flirting. And he's like, Damn, I would think she would kind of hate me because right. Cedric was her boyfriend and he died. And so it seems like Cho probably believes Harry. Yeah, because Cho is like a good gal, you know? Cho is a solid person. And she's had the summer to mourn. I think it's time for her to move on. Absolutely. Harry does make the faux pas being like, so how was your summer? <sighs> Whoops. Oh, that's right. <sighs> you were mourning your dead boyfriend. Okay. Ron has a super obnoxious moment here. Because Cho's wearing a badge for her, I guess it's, the, I keep on wanting to call them the Tennessee Tornadoes. It's not, the Tornadoes are a Quidditch team and they're not from Tennessee, but that's just what I want to call them. And Ron's like, how long have you been a fan of them? Are you just a fan because they're winning now? Gatekeeping. Gatekeeping. Pet peeve number yeah. nine like, highlighted in these Let people like the things that they like. Why do you care? And also, I can't stand... See, you could do this to me right now if you wanted to. Right. Because I'm just now reading Harry Potter, even though it's been around for 85 years or however long these books yes. have been around. Yes, It's like, you at one point had an entry point into whatever your fandom was, too. Yeah. You could be the biggest L.A. Raiders fan in the world. At some point, you started to be an L.A. Raiders fan. Exactly. And now you're mad at other people because they just became, well, it's Las Vegas Raiders now, but because they just became a Raiders fan. Who cares? I hate this type of stuff. I hate it, too. And gatekeeping in fandoms is a huge thing. And there's a lot of gatekeeping in the Harry Potter fandom, but I will say that this is a fandom that really tries to push against that. I'll tell you what fandom's the worst for this is the Star Wars fandom. They are the gatekeepingest mofos You ever. know what fandom is very, very much not gatekeeping? What? Ninja Turtles. I could see that. I could see that. Because there are some diehard Ninja Turtles fans, which admittedly is something I did not yeah, know until TMNT recently. TMNT fans, they want everybody else to like Ninja Turtles too. Right. They're like They're, trying to recruit people. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I hate this. So yes. then we go to potions class taught <gasps> by our favorite professor, Snape. Surprise! He's still garbage. <sighs> and he's basically teaching them how to mix up benzodiazepines. Essentially. <laughs> 
It's called The Drought of Peace, and it calms anxiety and makes you feel pretty chill. Listen, today- Or as I like to call it, brown liquor. <laughs> Listen, today, class, we're going to make some Zanny bars. We're going to have a real good time. We're going to listen to Post Malone. There you go. And get face tattoos. <laughs> and sip on some scissor. Yeah. They're making scissor. That's that's exactly what they're making. They're Pour the Robitussin into the cauldron. Right, right. Now add the hydrocodone cough syrup. He's like, listen, here's the deal. The recipe's on the chalkboard. Do it. You have 30 minutes. Don't screw it up. What a lazy He's teacher. so over it, right? Ugh. And everybody is messing it up because they're not reading the instructions. And because he's not instructing them. Yeah. Hermione does a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. She has the little silvery vapor coming off the top of hers because she follows the rules and pays attention. Yeah. Neville screws his up and it hardens inside of his cauldron. So sad. Harry screws his up completely. Harry, like, his screw up is not even that bad. Like, because the point is made... That, like, Goyle's was worse than his. Ron's was shooting green sparks. Like, Harry's was just, like, a little bit bad. And Snape, in front of the entire class, of course, because humiliating children is, like, his kink. Mm-hmm. He says, Harry, can you read? And, like, it's just this, like, it's Socratic questioning, but it's, like, humiliating Socratic questioning. Ugh, I had teachers like this. Snape is a garbage garbage human right anyway harry just continues to kind of like boil and boil and simmer and boil and they go to lunch and ron and hermione are bickering at each other which as a reader was getting on my nerves yeah so i get this and harry snaps at him and he just says will you two please shut up like just shut up and he leaves i'm sorry i see nothing wrong with this I think they really had this coming. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Harry's just so fed up with everything at this point. Yeah. He was so happy to pass the hearing and be able to come back to school. And now he gets to school. Hagrid's gone. Snape's still a dick. Yeah. The workload is really intense. Everybody's talking crap behind his back. Yeah. He gets in a fight with one of his roommates. Like, things are not going well for little HP. Things are not going well. And I mean... At the risk of being repetitive, people give Harry a lot of shit in this book. Caps lock Harry. Harry's so angry. I'm like, you would be too. Exactly. This is a nightmare that he's in. And honestly, I mean, like when I say he loses it on Ron and Hermione, it's not even that bad. He just tells him, shut up. He stop bickering. And he leaves and just kind of goes and waits for divination. And Ron comes up and he's like, We've stopped fighting, but Hermione says to tell you that you owe us an apology or whatever. I'm like, Ron, maybe this could wait until later. (sighs) Yeah, so he's the first one to climb up into Trelawney's class. Mm. And it's a typical Trelawney class. But they're talking about dreams. Yeah. And what dreams mean. Yes. I I was really anxious to hear what you had to say about this since you have such an active dream life. It almost like makes me sick. To even talk about dreams. Oh, we don't have to talk about because it. Because I hate, hate my dream life. Yeah. I have super intense, disturbing dreams like every single night of my entire life. I dread going to bed. I stay up too late. 
I drink magnesium or melatonin or whatever it's called to help me go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And then I wake up and I'm completely emotionally exhausted because I was on a river rafting ride. And then someone was shooting dogs with an AK-47. And then I was running out of a burning house. And then I got trapped in a hot air balloon. It's like every single night. That's awful. And so it's like, what do dreams mean? They don't mean anything. Just turn them off. Yeah. I'd rather just turn dream. If I could take a pill that would make me not dream for the rest of my life, I would just take it. Sounds like you need some scissors. These dreams. Go on when it's cold outside. When I close my eyes. Hey, one one of the choruses is when it's cold outside. I'm always right about things like this. I know. And we've argued about this very little. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we have. We're anyway. like stuck in a weird loop where we just argue about <laughs> things we've already argued about before. I know. And I think every piece of information is new information, even though I've been told a thousand times. It's Groundhog Day. This is what it's like to be married to a man. <laughs> right. Right. Hello. Dream interpretation, by the way, my opinion is that it's a load of crap. Like, I don't believe in dream interpretation. I don't believe that your dreams mean anything other than I do think that there is a demonstrated link between when you're stressed, you tend to have more stressful dreams. That, sure, because the same chemicals are involved in both. But in terms of like, you know, oh, I dreamt that I was flying. Oh, that means that you are really facing a huge challenge and you don't like from what fuck off from what right where's the data set like where does that come from it is random there's literally no way to test no no uh anyway things are still a little tense with ron during this but it's i mean it's clearly not going to be like a huge like book four level fallout i feel like ron is sort of giving harry his space to feel the way he feels he's not happy about it He's not as eloquent as Hermione to have that mic drop moment that she had, but he's, you know, he's fine. It'll be okay. And they're going to head to Defense Against the Dark Arts. Mm. Defense Against the Dakats, as we like to call right. it. Right. And we have Professor Umbridge. Ugh. And of course she's in her syrupy sweet self. She's like, we're going to talk about the dark arts. Ugh. But I've noticed that the way you've been taught dark arts in the past is clearly a problem. And maybe that's why the teachers didn't make it. So here's what we're going to do. And she gives three ways in which things are going to change in the teaching of the dark arts. Her aims. Defense against the dark arts, a return to basic principles. Oh, you basic. She says, well, now your teaching in this subject has been rather disrupted and fragmented, hasn't it? Turning to face the class with her hands clasped neatly in front of her. The constant changing of teachers, many of whom do not seem to have followed any ministry-approved curriculum, has unfortunately resulted in your being far below the standard we expect to see in your owl year. You will be pleased to know, however, that these problems are now to be rectified. You will be following a carefully structured, theory-centered, ministry-approved course of defensive magic this year. Copy down the following, please. She wrapped the blackboard again, the first message vanished, and was replaced by course aims, and there's three of them. Mm-hmm. One, understanding the principles underlying defensive magic. Two, learning to recognize situations in which defensive magic can legally be used. And three, placing the use of defensive magic in a context for practical use. What a load of tosh, as they say, across the pond. She's like uneducating them. Absolutely. Absolutely. She 
basically tells them to pull out their books and just read. And she says, I mean, I, I always think that the sentence is so telling. There will be no need to talk. Right? I mean, doesn't that just sum up everything? Yeah. There will be no need to talk. And Hermione's not reading. Hermione's sitting there with her hand up. Very polite. The cojones on this girl. Love it. And she's like, yes, hi, excuse me. So I have a question about your course aims. I notice that none of these have anything to do with practicing spells. And we get to Umbridge's kind of main point. Yeah, Umbridge says, using defensive spells? Why, I can't imagine any situation arising in my classroom that would require you to use a defensive spell, Miss Granger. You surely aren't expecting to be attacked during class. So passive-aggressive. This bitch. She says many things that I take umbrage with, if you will. <laughs> There's a Ugh. very deliberate reason she's called umbrage. Number one... She basically says, school is only so you can pass your exams. I'm going to get you prepared for your exams. And after all, isn't that the whole point of school? That's disturbing. That's disturbing. But it is a lot of people's perspective. This is the standardized testing crisis yeah. in our country. It's like, we're going to educate you all year so that you can pass this test, even though... There's really very little applicability of this knowledge to the real world. And we're not teaching you in a way that you'll remember this in a long lasting capacity. She also, we get a really, really good insight into her character when she calls Lupin a half breed. Oh, my God. Mm. So like Ron pipes up and Harry pipes up and Dean Thomas. Yes. Pipes up. I do not wish to criticize the way things have been run in the school, she said, in an unconvincing smile, stretching her wide mouth. But you have been exposed to some very irresponsible wizards in this class. Very irresponsible indeed. Not to mention, she gave a nasty little laugh, extremely dangerous half-breeds. Oh, Like, okay, here we come with the half-breed talk. This bitch! She just casually drops that. Very, very cash. And Dean is the one who pipes up and he's like, uh, if you're talking about Professor Lupin, that's actually, he was the best professor. Hand Mr. Thomas. Right. Like, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. You have been introduced to spells that have been complex, inappropriate to your age group, and potentially lethal. You have been frightened into believing that you are likely to meet dark attacks every other day. Everything's fine. You're not in danger, so you don't need to learn how to defend yourself because there is no danger. There is no danger. The other line that I often associate with Umbridge is, this is a lie. She basically says, you've been told that some dark wizard is back and this is a lie. She doesn't just say, there's no evidence for this. She says, this is a lie. Yeah. She's saying it's Dumbledore's lie. And she also knows exactly who the frick Harry Potter is. Oh, yeah. And so her and Harry really, things definitely come to a head because Harry just can't take it anymore. It's not been a good day. It's not been a good start of term. On top of that, it's cloudy and raining outside, which definitely impacts my mood. And I'm sure it impacts Harry James Potter's mood. He cannot take it anymore. He stands up. He's like, listen. 
What the fuck are you talking about? It's not a lie. He is back. Exactly. How do you propose that Cedric Diggory died? He finally screams at her. It is not a lie. I saw him. I fault him. Ooh. Detention, Mr. Potter. Oh, my God. Tomorrow evening, five o'clock, my office. I repeat, this is a lie. The Ministry of Magic guarantees that you are not in danger from any dark wizard. If you are still worried, by all means, come and see me outside class hours. If someone is alarming you with fibs about reborn dark wizards, I would like to hear about it. I'm here to help. I am your friend. I'm your friend. And now you will kindly continue your reading. Page five, basics for beginners. Harry keeps going, though. What does he say next? So according to you, Cedric Diggory dropped dead of his own accord, did he? Harry asks, his voice shaking. He's so mad. He's He's so so mad. mad. He's so mad. There was a collective intake of breath from the class. For none of them, apart from Ron and Hermione, had ever heard Harry talk about what had happened on the night that Cedric had died. That's a really good point. Yeah. They stared avidly from Harry to Professor Umbridge, who had raised her eyes and was staring at him without a trace of a fake smile on her face. Cedric Diggory's death was a tragic accident, she said coldly. It was murder, said Harry. He could feel himself shaken. He had hardly talked to anyone about this, least of all 30 eagerly listening classmates. Voldemort killed him, and you know it. Ooh. She says, come here, Mr. Potter, dear. She writes something on a piece of paper and says, please take this to Professor McGonagall. And he's like, gladly. Takes it and leaves without another word. And Runs into Peeves. Of course. Peeves is giving him crap. Like, yeah, Peeves, Peeves sucks. Peeves sucks. He has no timing. Like, Peeves is a very beloved character, yada, yada, yada. But Peeves always shows up at the worst possible time, and it drives me nuts. Oh, most think he's barking, the potty wee lad. <laughs> but some are more kindly and think he's just sad. But Peeves, he knows better and says that he's mad. I mean, he can turn a little phrase. He does. I will give him that. <sighs> Goes into Professor McGonagall's office. He's like, I've been sent to see you. She's like, eat a biscuit, eat a biscuit, eat a biscuit. She's like, eat a thousand biscuits. You Why don't you know. just eat the biscuits? You have to know, hun, that have a biscuit Potter is an iconic Harry Potter line. You know what this made me think of? What? What Little House on the Prairie reference? Fix my supper. Give Fix my supper. supper. Give Fix, supper. Get my supper. Give my supper. There's an episode of Little House on the Prairie where Pa comes home and he's like, Really happy because the wheat's doing good. The patriarchy is strong. He's like, whew. Yeah. It's like, we're going to get some rain. It's going to be good for the crops. Get my supper to Caroline, to Ma. <laughs> and she says something back and he says something else. And he's like, whew. boy, my legs are tired. Get my supper. <laughs> and then she says something else kind of cute. And he's like, says something cute back. And then he smiles at her and says, get my supper. Damn, Pa. God damn it, dude. Get your own freaking supper. Right? You have two hands. They've been working the weed all day. They can get your own goddamn supper. Working the weed. You know what I mean. (laughs) I am a farmer. I have been working the wheat. I work the wheat, yeah. So, have a biscuit, Potter. You need, I need to stress the importance of this line to you. This is a classic McGonagall line. Why? Because... You think that McGonagall is about to rip him a new asshole. Yeah. She's, she's like, like is biscuit. this true? Did you raise your voice to Professor Umbridge? Did you tell her she's a liar? And he's like, yes, yes. And she goes, have a biscuit. <laughs> you know, this is the first time that we have seen, in my opinion, McGonagall is shaken. Yeah. She has been shaken by the events of what's going on. Absolutely. And she basically is like, look, dude, you can't buck up to these people. Exactly. You know who they are. This is the freaking ministry. 
They have more power than all of us. You're going to have yes. to keep your head down and do your thing. This is like what my mom had to tell me a million times in high school. Yeah. Look, I get it. I get it. You need to keep your mouth shut. Say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, and just get through it. Mm-hmm. I understand this teacher's a nightmare and this teacher's a nightmare. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They control your future. Keep your head down and shut up and do what you're supposed to do. Absolutely. And I think that's why Have a Biscuit Potter is an iconic line because it does represent in a very succinct way this very tonal shift with McGonagall. And like you said, for the first time, we're seeing this other side of her where she, I wouldn't say that she's necessarily talking to Harry like he's an equal, but this is the first time that we're getting a conversation, maybe even with any faculty member and one of the kids where it's like, listen, we're on the same side, but we can't really say anything about that right now. Yeah, I've spent the whole summer with you. Exactly. Dude. It's, yeah. And she's basically, she's giving him a warning. She's like, why do you think Umbridge is here? Like, use your fucking brain. As Tom Hanks would say in A League of Their Own, use your head. That's that lump that's three feet above your ass. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. And just like you read at the top of the show, she's like, well, thank God Hermione was listening. And and that also confirms that Hermione absolutely had the right measure of it, too, because McGonagall doesn't say, "Okay, well, I can see how she drew that conclusion, but actually it's this. She's like, good. Listen to her. Yeah. Oh, epic. You know, living in the American South, when you say have a biscuit, I'm thinking of a big old fluffy (laughs) Bojangles biscuit. Have a biscuit. We don't call cookies. Everything over here is either a cookie or a cracker. Right. It's not a biscuit. A biscuit's its own thing. A biscuit is a daggum biscuit. It's made out of flour. Flour. Water. Lots of butter. Butter. Salt. Yep. And you can throw your piece of sausage in the middle. You can eat her plain. Jelly. You can have what's called a cat head biscuit. What the fuck is a cat head biscuit? You don't know what a cat head biscuit no. is? Girl, please. What is it? A cat head biscuit is those big, fat, gnarly, lumpy looking biscuits. Oh, yeah. They sh- the you remember the, the place we went to in Asheville for breakfast that yes. time? Yes. Yeah. They're famous for their cat head biscuits oh because God. they're the size of a cat's head and it's they're ridiculous. lumpy. Maybe not Charlie's head because she's very small. Maybe Cozy's head because yeah. he does have a very large head. Yeah. She's not offering him Bojangles. She's offering him Mr. Bojangles. Cookies. Cookies. But you're right. She's very pushy with, with the biscuit. She's like, have another one. What are you, nuts? Have another one. Eat it. What the fuck's your problem? I know. Like, what's in these biscuits? <laughs> I just love McGonagall so much. <sighs> All right. So what's your prophecy? So my prophecy has to do with the goal of the ministry at Hogwarts. Okay. What their aim is. Why are they here? Why are they infiltrating? What's Dolores doing there? Dolores! Dolores! (laughs) The goal of the ministry is to dismantle Hogwarts. Dismantle? Yes. To remove the protection that Dumbledore has put over Harry Potter so that Potter can be ultimately destroyed so he'll get out of the Dark Lord's way. Damn. The main objective being 
completely discredit Dumbledore as much as they can so that when they finally murder him. Oh, Jesus Christ. It will look like he, it was his own neglect that caused his death. Wow, that is specific. The ministry under orders of Lord Voldemort is going to murder Albus Dumbledore. When he dies, they will have set things up in such a way to make it look like Dumbledore's own negligence killed him and not the ministry. Why do they want Dumbledore dead? Because he protects Harry. Why do they want to, Harry to be unprotected? Because they want to kill Harry so that the Dark Lord can reign over the world. Why are you mad at me about I'm it? mad about the situation. You're so intense right now. So you are asserting at this point that the ministry is 100% in Lord Voldemort's pocket. Yes. I don't know if everyone in the ministry is aware Okay. That's what's going on. But at the top, yes. Okay. Okay. Wowzers. Okay. All right. That is, I will say that prophecy is not very simple. It's very intense. Yes. Very intense. What is your ministry interference, Hedwig's digital get down hoot whistle? so creepy especially when you sway back and forth like you just did okay Hedwig's digital get down comes from Katie in an email this is a while ago I think this is actually between seasons and it's not really so much a question I just really liked this point that she made I know we've talked a lot about Hermione and Spew and advocacy in that way But I really liked this perspective. So here's what Katie said. Hermione's a character I've always related to, but her house elf advocacy efforts are some of my favorite moments of hers because of how the symbolism and lessons have changed for me as I've gotten older and grown into my career. I have a master's in social work and I'm currently working as a therapist at a residential center for boys. One of the most important aspects of social work practice is cultural competency and cultural humility. The idea that our perspective on right versus wrong, normal versus abnormal, and good versus evil is skewed by our identities and our upbringing. This is what I think is missing from Hermione's approach to house elf welfare. What do you think about that? So the point that she's making is that we need to fully understand elf culture in order to advocate for them? Not necessarily. I mean, I think... Cultural competency isn't always about fully understanding the other culture, but recognizing that you don't fully understand the other culture and recognizing that your own culture influences the lens that you're looking at it through. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like I've said a bunch of times, I don't know the full history of the elves and all this stuff. But you know Hermione. I do, and I know at this point in the story what her feelings are about the elves, but I don't know. This is a fantasy book. I don't know that the elves aren't paying some punishment because they murdered a thousand people and they come from another planet and all this stuff. Like, 
I don't know enough, but I will say to her point of the whole cultural aspect of things, I was having this conversation yesterday with some friends. A lot of people can't understand why someone on the other side of the political aisle from them believes the things that they do. Mm. How in the hell can you believe this? It's like incenses people. And the power of culture is stronger than anything I can think of anthropologically. So there are a lot of things that people believe that they're not based on policy. They're not based on anything other than my social group that lives where I live, that goes to my church and practices my religion and is involved in the same hobbies as I am and have the same relatives I do and the same familial ties. They all believe this one thing. That's where I'm headed. I think they head there before they even have a chance to decide whether or not they should head there. Yeah. Yeah. Because that pull is so absolutely strong. And it's really hard to be objective. It's like can't see the forest for the trees. Yeah. And I see this all the time. It, it just seems like as humans, we have this tendency to make our groups as small as we can and as safe as we can. And we other people because of it. It's the cause of bullying. I feel like a lot of that in school it's how fashion changes. It's how trends change. It's what's cool, what's in, what's not cool, what's not in. It's always this striving for keeping our little group small and safe because we're these tribal creatures who weren't meant to live in cities of 8 million people and hear every damn body's thoughts every single day through our phone. It just goes against what we are. And so I think a lot of us as human beings, we're just struggling to make sense of how do we keep our little insular group small and safe and protected so that we can make sense of a t- smaller world than the world around us. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you on that. I mean, I think like, to me, Katie's email is more of a discussion about, and this is what you're you're speaking to, but definitely more of a discussion about Hermione than it is about the house elves. It's not really about if the house elves need her advocacy. Mm-hmm. It's about the way she's going about that advocacy. And I agree. We are tribal. We are social. We need other people, but we do tend to group up. It's, you know, our brains stereotype naturally. But I think the thing that is applicable even though, yes, it's a fantasy book, we see a lot of this. We see a lot of someone bursting into the scene and going, I'll save you because the way I live my life is surely the way you also want to live your life. And that's not just privilege, but it's also really arrogant I think, you know, when you think about it that way, it's not just culturally blind and insensitive. It's also arrogant. And often inefficient. Yes. This kind of goes back to the whole white savior complex thing. Well, oh, if I can go to this school that's predominantly black, then I can save these black children. It's that whole fallacy. Right. Which is in and of itself showing 
your bias because you believe that these children need to be saved. Which... And they need to be saved by someone who's not them. Exactly. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I just think it's really, it's a topic that I know we've talked about a lot on uh, on the show because of Spew, but also just because of where we are in our real world at the time when we're also getting to this point in the books. Like, that lined up incredibly close. Yeah, it's also used to justify colonialism. Yeah. These people are right. living in such a primitive way. Right. They need our help. Right. They need assimilation so they can live better lives when that's not the case. Right. It's just a power grab. Absolutely. It. Yeah. But I like also what Katie said about how as she gets older and as she experiences life in different ways, her perspective on it changes and what she takes from it changes and i feel that way about the entire series but like something that i've noticed recently is and i almost called out a family member for this Uh uh-oh i can't tell you how much i heard back in the 90s that black teenagers needed to pull their pants up right quote pull their pants up right you know the fashion of sagging Sagging is like, I don't know if that's the term that they use in the UK, but it's dropping your jeans a little bit below your waist so that your boxers or whatever you have on underneath your jeans. It's just a way of wearing pants. It's literally a fucking way of wearing pants. (laughs) Right, right. And it was, you know, they need to pull your pants up. Bill Cosby, that's one. He was all like, you know, young black man, you need to pull your pants up. Stop sagging. Pull your pants up. Right. That's a sign of you're being disrespectful. Meanwhile, he was drugging and raping women. Right, of course. Yeah. But now that there's such a fashion towards skinnier jeans, mm-hmm. now I see some of the same people that used to talk shit about pulling your pants up. It's the skinny jeans. Oh, my God, with the skinny jeans. Can you believe this person in the skinny jeans? It's like... What jeans are okay to you? Right. You know what jeans are okay to you? Wranglers worn the way that white people wear them. By white people. By white people. Right. Designed by white people for white people. That is the okay jeans to wear. Right. And so it kind of goes back to this whole thing of like, what's wrong with these people? That they sag their pants. Mm -hmm. That they wear things a certain way. Meanwhile, we take... All of the fashion directives from the black community Absolutely. assimilate them into white culture, and then our white companies make tons of money off of it. Right. Can you tell I'm like a little fired up today? <laughs> I Yes, I can. Wow. Yes. But it's also this like something that you just said, the phrase that pops in my head is, I don't understand it, therefore it must be unable to be understood because I don't understand it. And also- it's not your job to understand every aspect of other cultures. You don't have to understand every aspect of a culture that's not yours to advocate for them and to advocate for their rights. Once again, you're like the smartest person I know. No way. You really are. You're kind of a big deal. It's, a, it's another thing that we do to women. Oh, yeah. Too, it's like, well, you know how women are. Right. It's this whole thing like, oh, this women are so mysterious. Well, you can never truly understand a woman. Oh, oh the, all that. the mysteries of women. Oh, the mystery of a woman. 
you just can never know what's on a woman's mind. It's this othering, this like, oh, well, women communicate with each other differently. So it must be the incorrect way to communicate. I'll pour them. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times this is shrouded as a compliment, too. You know, like people will talk about the mysteries of a woman and they'll mean it in this Ooh, women, I'm just so fascinated by women, you know? It's like, first of all, not a compliment. Secondly, I'm not a specimen. I'm a that human you study. being. <laughs> it's just yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of times it's shrouded as a compliment. Like, I remember hearing an older relative of mine one time when referring to a black musical artist had said, oh, I just love their music. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's like, and because I knew that it wasn't meant as I really enjoy the music that comes from members of the black community, it was meant like, say what you want, but they really do make some good music. At it least was like they can entertain kind of us. Right. Exactly. Goes back to the same old the colonial mindset. Yes, that was the undertone. And so I don't know. It, I think it's up to us to have our our radars tuned to these types of what can often be more subtle digs and Mm -hmm. othering examples of othering to groups that are unlike the person who's speaking and you know i don't know depending on your comfort level call that shit out you know it's like that's how we change and if you're not inside of a culture who's suffering yeah if Someone within a certain culture or demographic says that they're suffering. You should believe that they're suffering. Yeah. You don't get to tell someone else that they are or are not suffering. Right. You don't get to do that. Right. Thank you. There's so much right now that I'm seeing on social media with people, even people who, you know, to my knowledge, are not fascist, racist pricks that (laughs) are just roaring laughing about pronouns and trans people mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. people who don't identify with gender, gender non-binary. Oh, well, oh, yeah, it's probably a next thing you know, we're going to have a, a transgender so-and-so. What are we supposed to call them? They, he, she. You don't get to tell someone right. their truth. Exactly. They tell you their truth and you accept it and you fight on their behalf. Absolutely. And these are the same people that if you said to them, what about those people when gay marriage was being debated, said, well, what's next? A man can marry his toaster? They'd be like, well, that's ridiculous. It's like, but you're saying the same kind of thing. Yeah, you're doing the same thing. You're doing the same thing. You're delegitimizing the wants of a group that's different from you and watering it down and making it seem like... A joke. Oh, it's just the it's just the trend. Right. Is it No, it's evolving. Exactly. It's acceptance. It's evolving in society. It's people coming to the truth of who they are and what their culture is. Yeah. Yeah. We could go on for hours about it. We really could. Thanks, Katie. (laughs) Thank you, Katie. Okay, well, I'm up first with marriage lessons, since I read first. 
And my marriage lesson comes from that epic Hermione moment where she's like, no, I actually told Lavender Brown to shut her big fat mouth. <laughs> you know, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't jump down my throat and remember that I'm on your side. I just really, I like this moment because like anything in literature, I think that you tend to admire characters who do and say things that you have a hard time doing. And I have a hard time keeping a cool head. I mean, in a lot of situations, but I have a hard time if I'm getting an emotional message, not matching that emotion. And I think this kind of plays into a, a marriage lesson that I'm remembering from a couple of books ago, I think, where it was sort of like, sometimes your partner is just going to need to have that moment and that day where they're mad at you or really sad or irritated, whatever. And if you're not feeling in that emotional, vulnerable place, then it's up to you to be the cooler head. That's your responsibility at that moment. So I'm still not doing great on that, but I feel like this is Hermione having a cooler head and that cooler heads prevail. And that when you're in a relationship or in a friendship or whatever, if you have it in your wheelhouse to have a cooler head in that moment, and I truly don't believe this is possible 100% of the time for everybody, then you should do it. You should have the cooler head. Cool. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> so my marriage lesson is almost exactly the same as Stop yours. Stop it. Stop it. I think this will be the most our marriage lessons have ever matched up. Are you effing kidding me? Mine is recognize your own emotional state. Before engaging. Ooh. So this has to do with, let's say you're in a tiff with your spouse, your partner, your friend. A tiff. A tiff. <laughs> um, recognize where you're coming from. It's also important to recognize where they're coming from. Yes. You and I, the biggest tiffs that we've <laughs> ever been into have been times when we were both inordinately stressed because of something. Yes. I can't remember a time where we got into an argument that lasted more than three minutes, where we were having a nice, relaxed day. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, never. Yeah. Oh, my God. And it's really hard to do. Like you said, it's rare to do this. Uh, maybe impossible to do this 100% of the time, but it's important to at least try. And I'm also not very good at this to think, oh, I'm responding to this not from like normal baseline Kev. Right. But from heightened emotional state Kev. It's like in acting, you talk about your wants and your needs. Yeah. When you're saying your line to someone, it's not important the lines that you're saying. What's right. important is what do you want? What do you want from this person? Right. What do you want to get out of this conversation? And often what you want in an emotional state is something that's not healthy. What you want at your core is resolution and peace with the person that you love. Yeah. Forgiveness, those sorts of things. When you're at a heightened emotional state, what you want from them is to be vindicated or you want to be heard or you want something that you said to be justified. Yeah. And it ramps up. And a lot of times I know when we've been in arguments, our emotional states are both heightened but they're not matching. Right. And so it's like, I have a tennis racket and you have a golf club and we're both trying to play hockey. <laughs> a 
that's a really great never gonna happen (laughs) right it's a great way to put it because what i kind of hear from that that's really cool and i've never thought of before is when you're coming from an emotional place the things that you want are temporary things yeah and when you're not coming from an emotional place, the things that you want are value-driven things, yeah. which are more permanent and long-lasting. And that's probably why communication tends to go better from a non-emotional place. Yeah. Very cool. I, you know, I think those are more complementary than identical. I think they are. Look at us. We're just... We're pretty great. Married AF. We're married AF. Coming up on that one year. One year so soon. It's like been one year to the to me. Hop a dub a hip hurry. Oh, you know what? What? Our one <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just move on. Like, I feel like I have really so intense eye this. contact with you. you today. You're like, you're doing something very strange. <laughs> I look up and you're just staring at me. I also don't typically drink caffeine and I've had a touch of caffeine today. Oh, you didn't tell me this. <laughs> oh, God. You should have to disclose that because you are very sensitive to caffeine. Jesus Christ. Our one year anniversary is three weeks from Monday, the so the day before this episode goes live mm. is three weeks to the day from our our one year anniversary. Right? What a long, strange trip it's been. My God, my mom told me recently. She said, "I'll tell you one thing: the year, the first year of marriage, is the hardest." This has been the hardest. Listen, she said, "The first year of marriage, first year or two, is typically the hardest." But you guys have also had. An extremely difficult year just anyway. Mm-hmm. Like the world has. Uh-huh. But we have had, you know, losses of people that we've loved, several. We've had sick and injured relatives. We have been injured. We have been sick. God. Then like the COVID shutdown, the election coming up. Like the past year has been a doozy. A doozy. But I think we're doing all right. I think we're doing just fine. And I'm about to boil some peanuts today. And I'm so excited about sitting out in my backyard and listening to country music and just boiling peanuts all day long. God. I got a few friends that are going to stop by. Oh, God. I feel like we should clarify because I think earlier in this episode you had mentioned boiling peanuts tomorrow. We are recording this episode on two different days, parts of this. Yeah. For, for time reasons, because I think otherwise our listeners are maybe going to think that there was some kind of time warp situation or that you, in fact, changed your mind over the course of the episode, and decided to do it today. Instead. Yesterday, we recorded the whole podcast, except for the prophecies and marriage lessons. Yes. But then you had to go out to dinner with your girls. Yes. And so we picked it up this morning. Exactly. And that's why I'm like caffeinated and all weird and intense it's eye contact. very strange. Very chatty. Su- Sunday, Kev, is, is a... Um, a rare, rare treat. Yeah. yeah. It's typically a lot of reggae, mm-hmm. a lot of gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Very loud as well. I'm, I'm not a, not a loud gospel kind of fan. Okay. For our Marauder shout outs, this idea is not mine. This idea was tweeted to us on the Twitter. Mm. We got it on Twitter and loved this idea. So... If there was an article written about the Marauders in the Daily Prophet, what would the headline be? Oh, God. That's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Yep. This one's not for the faint of heart. 
And I'm pleased to say that we have a brand new marauder. Oh no, a child is born. A child is born. Oh. As prophecy foretold, the child shall be born into the camp of the marauder. <laughs> Your like prophecy voice is so strange. So let's get things rolling with our brand new Marauder. I feel like we can bestow the honor of being first up in our Marauder shoutouts. Let's give a big Marauder welcome to Josh Kennedy. Really weird how accurate that sound is. So what do you think the headline would be about Josh Kennedy? The headline reads... Baby Marauder, proof that Kennedy family is not cursed. Love it. Love it. Yes. God, you're so fucking good at this. I'm so glad I married you. I love the name Josh, too, because your best friend's name is Josh and my best friend's name is Josh. I know. I know. Isn't that weird? Crazy. And my nephew's name is Josh. Yes. We know a lot of really good Joshes. And Joshua's. And Joshua's. Yeah. I have a cousin, Josh, who's a great dude. Yeah. It's like a solid dude yeah, I'm name. I'm not joshing you either. Right. Right. Oh, God. It's so good. How about Nick Tillman? Police still investigating disappearance of Winsigamot members. Authorities seeking interview with Nick Tillman. Oh, my God. So, ooh, I don't, I don't know what the implication is there. Hey, you think what you want to think. Yikes. How about Ben Clark? The beard, the bush, the Ben chicken. <laughs> How a man and his spider came to be the rulers of Australia. <laughs> so it's like a, it's, it's a piece. It's, it's a like, piece about how Ben becomes president of an Australia. An op-ed, if Now, does Australia, do they have a president? Is that what their leader is called? I don't know. God, we're so ignorant. God, Americans are freaking idiots. Our schools suck. And I will say that Ben knows so much about our legal system. Yeah, I feel, because he's not an American. Right. So I feel like especially awful that I don't know this. But we're going to learn. We're going to together. learn. We're going to learn. Ben, tell us on the Discord, what's the Australian government all about? I do know that there's like a Commonwealth situation. It's not a two-party system. Oh, it's not. Okay. Now, see, now I've got so. now I've got Hamilton in my head again. Till we had a two-party system. You haven't met him yet. You haven't had the chance. Because he's been kicking ass as the ambassador to France. Okay, I'm sorry. 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 How about Heather Bevels? Heather Bevels. Prophecy unfolded. Heiress to the Bevels legacy. Thought to be one to defeat Dark Lord. <gasps> so you're like... This is a piece about her unborn child? Yes. Oh, I love it. My God. Gives me chills. How about Sarah Epting? North Carolina woman uses yoga and positive energy to defeat fascist. <laughs> yes. We need that so much. Austin Scroggins. Alabama legislator A. Scroggins introduces Harry Potter curriculum to school system. Yes, please. Caitlin Dismuke. Jesus. Katie Dismukes. 
local woman denies affiliation with basketball. Okay. <laughs> That's so meta. Peter Collins. Pete. UK man manages to stay polite despite absolute pisser of a day. <laughs> yes. I love that. How about Kara Heller, who's now a toddler? Oh, my God. Kara's growing up so She's fast. growing up so fast. She's like, I'm a big kid now. Right. Right. I guess her and Sarah are both at the toddler stage. Yeah. Kara and Sarah. Oh, they're like little twins. (gasps) Famed Harry Potter podcast, Fox and the Foxhound, releases new plush line called Kara Bears. Oh, yes. Love it. How about Michael Terry, who's now, I guess, like driving with, (laughs) you know? Oh, yeah. He's graduated from college and getting his (laughs) master's degree right now. Arkansas man named best fiance in the country. Yes. Michael has a wedding coming up very soon. Wedding very soon in October. Very close to our anniversary. Yeah. Oh, we're so Everything excited. is like six degrees away from Michael Terry. Really? Yeah. Because I just recently learned through Facebook that he is close with a singer that I'm a fan of. Weird. And that they go way back. We haven't, like, hashed it out yet, really, but it's obscure that we have this weird connection. I think all roads lead back to MT. Yeah, yeah. By the way, that's what I call Michael Terry now, MT. You just call him MT? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that you guys had this, like, code with each other. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, that works. (laughs) How about Natalia Ward? Natalia. (laughs) Brazilian beauty named funniest woman in the UK. (laughs) Yes. Accurate. Accurate. Oh, God. Josh Bailey. North Carolina man interrupts presidential debate and shakes things up with actual facts. (laughs) Yes, he totally would. He would, like, wipe the floor with both of them. How about Breanne Brown? Missing Cleveland woman found to not be living in Cleveland as she never lived in Cleveland. (laughs) It's good. That is good. How about Dean Heath? Infamous football game streaker named head coach of Carolina Panthers. <laughs> so much information in one headline. I know. How about Kelly Moore? Kentucky cosplayer shoots two weeks of Doctor Who before crew finds out she's actually a cosplayer and not in Doctor Who. <laughs> yes. How about Samantha Tillman? North Carolina roller queen punches Nazi. Yes. News at 11. Yes. Vicky Gutherless. Crazy cat lady found to not be crazy, just cat lady. (laughs) That's wonderful. Jennifer Ayers. Colorado woman announces new Harry Potter themed fashion lineup called Rocky Mountain High. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Maybe that's maybe that's a prediction for the future. Could be a prophecy. Could be a prophecy. And last but not least, Faith Kenfield. 
Harry Potter fan successfully convinces entire country that everything is going to be just fine. Oh, God, we need that. Oh, we need it. Well, are you ready to roll the credits? Yes. Before we reveal our winners and losers and terrible dad jokes this week, a few reminders. If you love this show and want to help it grow, there are two things you can do. Number one, consider joining one of our membership tiers on Patreon. With monthly donation levels ranging from $1 to $20 a month and benefits like extra content, snail mail from us, on-air shoutouts, and more, it's the most direct way to show your support. Find out more at patreon.com slash the Vox and the Foxhound. And thank you to our existing patrons. We could not make this show without you. The other way to help our growth is to subscribe, rate, and review The Fox and the Foxhound wherever you get your podcasts. This will help us by leading more people to the show. If you have a question you'd like featured on the show, send it to us at thefoxandthefoxhound at gmail.com. Audio recordings of your question are welcome as well. Or you can send us a question through Instagram at thefoxandthefoxhound, Twitter at foxandfoxhound, no these, no thys, no thous, just foxandfoxhound, facebook.com slash thefoxandthefoxhound, or our website, thefoxandthefoxhound.com. Just click contact us. Be sure to join our Discord server to chat with us, our patrons, and fellow listeners. You can find the link on our website, in our Instagram bio, and in the pinned posts on Facebook and Twitter. We'd like to say a special thank you to Judson Hurd, who composed the theme for our show. Find out more about him and his music at judsonherd.com. That's J-U-D-S-O-N-H-U-R-D.com. And finally, a big thank you to our manager of mischief, minister of magic, and all-around superstar, Josh Bailey. Okay, back to the show. All right. Those were some excellent, excellent credits. Ready for winners and losers? Ready. (laughs) You sound so ready as you say it through a yawn. Who's your winner? Hermione. No kidding. Yeah. I think she does a great job in these two chapters. She pays attention to what's going on with Umbridge. She stands up to Umbridge. She really advocates for herself. Definitely. She really does, which is not an easy thing to do. Yeah. And we're seeing her grow and get stronger and more confident. I love that. I almost gave mine to Hermione. We would have had the same one. I was really going back and forth between two people, but ultimately I decided to go with McGonagall. Hmm. We don't see her as much. I love that she has no poker face. (laughs) You know, like Umbridge is talking and the faces that she's making are wonderful. But of course, I'm giving her the winner spot mainly for this conversation she has with Harry because it's it's an adult talking to Harry like he's 
a fellow adult, essentially. And I think that's something we don't do enough of. With she kids. also deserves it for being so generous with her biscuits. She's very biscuit generous. So there's also that. She's like, eat my biscuit, Harry. Excuse me. No, 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 <laughs> no. You're not going to put that in my head. That was completely uncalled for. What is wrong with you? Like, what is actually wrong with you? I had a really weird day. Jesus Christ. All right, who's your loser? This is super obvious, but Dolores freaking Umbridge. Well, yeah, that Because she sucks. Also, she sucks. Also, she's a plant that has put into Hogwarts so they can kill Dumbledore. God. There's a reason that... She, of all people, is the ministry official that was put as the defense against the dark arts teacher. It could be the fact that she's such a wonderful actress and that she can maintain calm and be super fake. But I think there's more to it than that. Interesting. I think that they have an entire plan set up for dismantling this school and ultimately murdering Albus Dumbledore. You're getting really intense again. Okay. Wow. All right. Okay, we'll see. We'll see if that unfolds. Now, my loser, if you've ever met me, this will be very obvious. Snape, duh. Yeah, he's always your what loser. What a fucking garbage person. What a human piece of trash. I hate this man. Humiliating children in front of their peers. Just fuck all the way off this guy. I hate him. Anywho. I can't wait to find out what the deal is with Snape. How he was a former Death Eater, but now he's not anymore. Why Dumbledore trust him? Why he's part of the Order? Like, I hope we get those answers. My God, I hope you'll, we get those you'll answers. You'll get a lot of answers about Snape. It's going to be a little while. Well, what's your dad joke? Why was Harry surprisingly relaxed after his defense of the dark arts class? Why? Because he received detention. Oh, oh. Like tension, T-E-N-S-I-O-N? Yes. Oh, God. That's highbrow, I think. I don't think I really know what highbrow means. I love it. Mine's just a one-liner, so you okay. don't have to say anything. <laughs> I really like this oh, joke. Oh, God. You love your own dad joke. <laughs> I really do. Harry's so angry lately. You could say he's the boy who lived. <laughs> <laughs> the boy who lived. Yeah. He the boy who lived. <laughs> Does it make sense? Yeah. Okay. I love my own joke. Well, before we go, it's been a really nice break to record the episode amidst the dark whole of being a woman in the u.s right now just please vote please 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 vote most people (laughs) in our country don't vote just don't do it they just don't we're at like what 23 percent of eligible voters sure vote something like that i mean that sounds right and of course you know we this country also tries its hardest to restrict access to voting to people of color Yes. And lower income people, too. Yes. And just with Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing away, if you are in the U.S. and you, I'm not saying that you have to agree with me on this, but what I am saying is 
if you believe that that vacancy should not be filled until after the election, please call your state representatives and tell them that. I'm sure I can find a link that will connect you wherever you are to those numbers. I'll put it in the show notes. In fact, I know there's a website because I've been on it before. I'll find it and put it in the show notes for this week. But, you know, it's hang in there, everybody. But yeah, it's been a really dark couple of days for me anyway. Just, ugh. So we're very thankful to have this show and very thankful to have all of you that we hear from. So thanks. Yeah. You keep us inspired and you guys keep us laughing. Yes. And you keep us motivated to do this show. Definitely. And to have fun with the show. Definitely. So we'll see you next week for detention with Dolores, which is the, the next chapter. Because there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow at the end of every shitty day. (laughs) Thank you.